1: To Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe galena and I'm here with my buddy Scott Chu. What's going on there,
2: Scott? Oh, not much. You know, just just living the dream. Wife very pregnant with twins. I'm uh-huh. uh, preparing for a slew of drafts I have in the next two to three weeks.
1: Yeah, we so getting... many. You're getting a crunch time uh, when it comes to drafting. And, uh, you know, like we were talking just before the show. I'm getting kind of like a feel for what your life is going to be like because I'm I'm babysitting a uh, pug puppy this weekend. And we were delayed in getting to start our podcast because I had to get her to go down for her nap. So, uh, you know, I'm just uh, getting a little feel for what your life is going to be like in, uh, you know, just a a few short weeks. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean. Pretty, You know, it, it's not that different. You know, I, I always, people always talk about, oh, puppies and babies aren't the same, but like, there is a lot of similarities between the yes. puppies and babies. Like,
1: yes. Yes. They've yes. got a lot.
2: Your, your schedule is now just their schedule. Like what? Yeah. when, when do I get to sleep? When do I get to rest? When do I get to do my, my stuff, my me time? It's whenever yes. they let you.
1: Exactly. And I'm excited that we get to uh, hopefully we get to meet each other face to face. It looks like you're coming to New York. You're doing your draft uh, uh, next Saturday. By the way, we're recording this podcast on March 12th, 1113 a.m. right now in Eastern Standard Time. We move the clocks ahead, but uh, we're getting ready to draft. You said you you got a a few more coming up as well, but you're uh, getting ready for your auction draft, right? This coming Saturday, the 18th. Yes,
2: sir. I've got the uh, the mixed auction with uh, with and it's,
1: and it's roto, right? Roto scoring yeah. or yep. okay.
2: Ours is ours is roto. Um, yeah. I'm up against some dude named Nick Pollock. Never heard of him. Interested to see how, how Nick, he does in the Nick draft. Pollack, but
1: Nick Pollock, I, I think. Yeah, I, I haven't, haven't heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Nick Pollock? No, no. Nick yeah, Pollock
0: brings okay. ring, a bell. <laughs> right. uh,
2: but yeah. So so it'll, it'll be fun. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have been awake for like. 24 hours or something well not quite that long but i have to leave you know i'm driving so that i can turn around at any time because you know the wife's pregnant with twins it could come out really at any time so i'm driving i'm leaving at like saturday morning midnight right 12 30 because my draft's at 2 30 and wow. it's a 12 hour <laughs> drive
1: so Jeez. God bless you, man. <laughs> um, I just yeah, love I'm this doing,
2: game so much, Joe. <laughs> there you go.
1: Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's our first, uh, both of you and I, first time that we're in uh, Tout Wars. And on Sunday, the 19th, I'm doing the uh, auction head-to-head 12-team league. So I'm uh, like knee-deep in my preparations, too. I'm taking a look at what happened in the draft last year. Uh, looking at uh, draft results from the labor mixed auction, which happened last Sunday, Um, and just trying to get an idea, you know, obviously valuing my players, putting my limits, upper limits uh, on on player values and trying to figure out what's going to happen, what the room is going to be like. But we were talking just before the show how obviously every draft is different. You could. Put together rankings, you could put together values, but come draft day, you don't know what's going to happen.
2: That I mean, that's exactly right. We we can make these. You know, I I make the hitter list. I've got rankings out on the site right now. But you have to remember that those are a vacuum, right? Like those ranks aren't for your team; they're just in general. And after about two rounds of drafting, you no longer are in general, right? You have a team. You have strengths. You have weaknesses. You have things you need to address, right? That mm-hmm. in just two rounds. Right. You could even argue that it happens after even one round, depending on the player you take. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> when you're doing that, you know, part of your prep is you can set these ranges, but like those ranges need to be dynamic. Right. Right. If mm-hmm. you, it, I'm in a roto league. So there's, it, it's really difficult to punt any particular category. Right. Correct. At least to mm-hmm. an extreme. I'm, I could choose to do that because there's not an overall component. But that, even just choosing to do that, which you never, I never really want to decide going in. That's a decision I would make during a draft where I'd say like, okay, I haven't been able to get any of my stolen base targets. I don't like anything that's left. I don't want to overpay for some of the guys still available. So now I will choose to uh, now I'll choose to punt, let's say, stolen bases or batting average. That's fine. But it changes the values that I put on my board. Right. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden, right, a player's value may have been pushed up quite a bit by their stolen bases. And I'll be like, well, I don't care about that anymore. Right. I'm not going to do any value checking on that. Whereas other players who maybe had their value pushed down a little bit because they don't steal. I might be like, Oh, I'll spend an extra two or $3 because that was assuming I wanted the steals. And now I don't. Right. Right. So that was just important to me that I get this player. And I know that other people might not value him as much. So, you know, one of the worst things I think is to be too rigid when you make those rankings, we can talk about people being disciplined. Like you're going to be up against Ariel Cohen and you know, he's he's one of he's the creator of atc he's yep. one of the most disciplined guys out there oh yeah but he changed like there is no way that he comes in with a set of values and does not reconsider those values during like during the draft or the auction right like that
1: you have to do that yeah that you part have of to be the- flexible you have to move <clears throat> yeah. with the draft
2: right it, and it's again part of it is understanding who else is in the room with you so sure. it is you know, We talk about doing some of these industry drafts. What's kind of nice is you can go and listen to them. I've got a 12 hour drive on the way to New York and you can, <laughs> I, you know, you can you know ink it in. I'm going to be listening to the other people in my draft.
1: Hey, think about the conversations you've had with uh, Nick Pollock o- over the past several weeks, right? You already have an insight to what he's going to do. Sorry, yeah.
2: Nick. Yeah. You know, I, I have no idea what he's going to do with hitters, but I have some idea of what he's going to do on the pitching side. Right. Or at least what he would value. Right. Now, granted, it's a little different. He likes to talk about 12 team leagues and this is a 15 team Roto. So right. some of his stress, some of the guys that he would push down those Tobys. He always talks about Tobys are more valuable in a 15 team. And Toby roto, stands for. Uh, oh, I you can't remember? remember what it stands for uh, when it, it comes it, to you. It yeah, It means it means like the average guy, right? Like who? Yeah. Yeah not a big upside play like just a dude but but the miles <laughs> michaels of the world are and, and logan Webbs are really valuable in those because it's a bunch of steady innings and the replacement level in a 15 team oh, yeah. league gets really gross so mm. you know it's also one of the reasons one of the things i'm going to do is try to listen to breakdowns of other industry drafts now one thing we always talk about is no one cares about your fantasy team right like nobody cares about your specific fantasy teams like your coworkers don't your spouses don't whoever don't but there's some real interesting value to take from some of these industry drafts because you get to see what people did as their drafts unfolded, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I can see someone's rankings. That's great. Right. But those rankings are, as we just said, they're dynamic in a draft. Things Mm -hmm. move around your valuations. your ever, they change not just because you get new news or anything, but because you see like, okay, what did people do when they found themselves short on stolen bases, short on saves, short on, run scored what did they do right who did they move up their board what did they value right who did they make big jumps on who did they set min picks for right and why was it a situation is it just because they love that player is it because they like they have some insider knowledge or is it because they just had a need the time it's
1: sometimes someone might make a bid on a on a player and they might think that that player is going to be valued higher. And then all of a sudden they're getting uh, value on them. And like, for instance, in last weekend's labor draft, uh, I think trout went for 30 bucks, you know? And, and if you look at a lot of the auction calculators uh, they value him a lot higher. Um, Dylan Cease, I think he went for, if I'm not mistaken, he went, went, went for 18 bucks uh, last week. and, and Cease! I know that he has his uh, some warts, right? But he's a guy that's going to give you innings and a lot of strikeouts. So sometimes, okay. when you think about it, too, when you hear the play players uh, described and analyzed in podcasts and, and uh, radio shows and whatnot, the negative negative comments that are associated with them, so- sometimes you know, listeners take that to heart, and it drives down value. You
2: know, yeah. And again, it's it's another important feature of auction drafts is that in a snake draft, you are simply out on certain players because you won't get to pick then. Right. Right. right? You pick on the turn in a 15 team league. There's a big group of players that are just unlikely to ever come to you unless you want to take them very early or they slip very far. Right. In an auction, everyone's on the table. You can Mm -hmm. bid on any, especially early on. You can bid on every player. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like there's a bunch of people coming out of those drafts probably kicking themselves thinking I wish I hadn't just said I was out on so and so
1: right another two bucks and I would have got yeah yeah what's another two bucks on on a trout getting him for thirty two bucks i mean look yeah, I know that he i know wins. that he's a i know that he has this uh back issue that's got to be monitored but when he's on the field i mean he's a forty homer guy and 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 hopefully we've gotten to the point well, the angels have gotten to a point where they can manage uh his injury where he gets his 500 to 550 at bats no
2: yeah and it's again it's also wondering how disciplined folks are right because there are action auction calculators that'll tell you that mike trout is a is a 30 dollar player for example mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean people aren't gonna overbid on that Correct. it happens all the time especially at the top end of each rank you'll see overbids right so right. i know i'm going to be listening in to see what happened in auctions at third base right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we talked about third base a lot and that it's a position with Uh, that's very top heavy. So Mm -hmm. did those guys get overvalued? Like did, or did they get overbid? Like how much, how much was bid on Alex Bregman? Right. Mm -hmm. He's always, he's sort of this like hot, he's this, he's this way to sort of judge how your league is going to look at third base. Right. Cause Alex Bregman is sort of like that. He almost feels like a one person tier, right? You have like the top, you have like the top six. And then you have Alex Bregman, and then you sort of have everyone else.
1: It changes so, OBP leagues. But, so in labor last weekend, he went for sixteen bucks,
2: which actually is a little low compared right. to what auction calculators will say, right? Because maybe mm-hmm. other folks were like, "Ah, I don't want the middle guy."
1: I'll. Wait. Arenado went for twenty-four. So uh, I think we both agreed that like Arenado is kind of like where the top five or six um, third baseman tier like separates itself. You no. Know?
2: Yeah, and I'd also say um, in an auction, there's a huge piece of strategy about when you nominate players. When do you nominate a specific player to go up for auction, right? right. I know that if I am targeting the later third baseman, like middle to later third baseman, what I'm going to do, and actually I've been thinking about this strategy quite a bit. If I go into an auction and I'm like, I'm telling myself I want everyone to spend a bunch of money on third base because I really like maybe Alec Bohm. Or Yandy Diaz, or uh, you know, some or Cabrian Hayes, or Eugenio Suarez. If that's what I'm going for every single time it's my turn to nominate, you know what I'm picking? The next third baseman, because I want that money spent.
1: Yeah, I want yeah. people going. That's a like, strategy, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge we Get, get a your league mates uh, to strategy, to but, spend their money. Yeah, while. You, um, and what about like you know, an opening bid? Like uh, for instance, you're not going to throw out Aaron Judge for a buck you're going to throw them out for what 20. I mean, you know, just in terms of courtesy or etiquette in terms of an auction, just to make it move along. I mean, it's silly to throw out like a, a superstar player for a buck. No? I mean, there,
2: <laughs> there are people that will tell you that that's a good strategy because you never want to, you know, you, you hate to throw a bid out there and then no one bid against you because then you are kind of bidding against yourself. Right. But early in the draft, like if someone doesn't do that, I will with the mm. next bid. Right. If they throw out Judge for a buck, my next bid is Aaron Judge 25. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's move this along. Right. And it, yeah. it'll get up. It'll generally get up there pretty quick. And, again, and he went for 44,
1: yeah. by the way, uh, in yeah. the labor draft there, last week.
2: There are very smart people that will tell you to never bid more than $1 up. And that's a good strategy. But like, let's also remember that um, <laughs> you're not, you know, you're not getting Aaron Judge for $4. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Like I'm again, every league is different, <laughs> but they ain't that different. Like maybe in an NL only, right? <laughs> and you
1: might get for four bucks just in case he gets traded to the Padres, right? <laughs> right. <But> even then, <laughs> so
2: it's it's something to think about. You know, know what kind of draft you're going into. I know most people are going to do snake drafts. Last thing I'll say is just really think about doing a an auction league. I think you'll find it's a ton of fun. It's really fun when you start talking about keepers and dynasty because it just adds a really unique flavor. It makes it harder to get generic advice, but you get to just do a lot more of the neurotic thinking that we're all kind of here to do right. so I really like auction leagues and again, it's a way your the way to build your team is unlimited in auction. Mm-hmm. You can right. do stars and scrubs. You can do all mid tier players, right? You can do. I'm never spending more than thirty bucks for a player. Um, I'm going to do super balance. Like you can't do that in a snake draft because in your first with your first pick, you need to pick, take the next best player. But in mm-hmm. auction, you don't have to do that. You just don't. Right. If your league starts overvaluing all the top pieces, you can decide I'm not going to play a part in that. Right. I'll let them all go stars and scrubs. I'll go balance and I bet I can beat them. You get to be super dynamic. It's super flexible, super fun. Please give it a, you know, please give it a try. We have an auction calculator we're going to have up on the site. It's been down for a little while. We've had some bugs on the back end with that, but, but still it's really fun. And and I'm really excited for our, for our tout auctions and we'll have, we'll have some fun discussing them in, in a context that hopefully can help other people either do their auction or snake drafts
1: yep yep um and uh i'll just throw this out there maybe you could even help me out because it's a it's a head-to-head league right um and it's a points base so you know single you get a one point double two points triple three home runs four rbis and runs and and walks are one and stolen base is two points then you uh minus 0.5 for strikeout minus one for caught stealing so You know, I was just thinking about this and I've I've got a week to really solidify my um, my strategy. But, you know, and and I come back to what you had said in the past, like because we've been working together now for, you know, what is it, a couple of years now and in head to head leagues, for instance, you don't need to. Win a category by ten points. I mean, you, you know, like for instance, when it comes to stolen bases, as long as you beat your opponent for the week in a head-to-head competition by one, you're fine, right? So I guess you're trying to balance out uh, your, your roster where you you get enough uh, players where they're going to get, you know, a, a kind of a steady stream of stolen bases. I mean, you know, but at the same time, you know, when when I looking at the the hitting. Uh, scoring, you know, f- four points for a home run. I think I'm going to want to get at least two guys that are 35 and Homer guys, you know, on on my team. And I was looking at, you know, you know, obviously, you know, do I, do I spend up on judge? You know, I, I mean, I could just as easily uh, go for an outfielder that I know is going to like a Hunter Renfro I know is going to get 30 home runs, you know, uh, first base. I mean, you know, Freddie Freeman is way up there in value, uh, but I could get, you know, Matt Olson for a lot cheaper, and he hits more home runs than Freddie Freeman these days. You know, so I yeah. th- that's a balance. Yeah, so point, points leagues are
2: really interesting. Again, we could spend a whole episode talking about points leagues, although they're also very difficult to talk about because everyone's got different point settings.
1: Sure. But-
2: you know, the thing with points leagues is it doesn't matter how they get the points. So the reason Freddie Freeman's going to be so far up there in those is because he doesn't strike out a lot and he puts a ton of balls in play. Right. So he gets those singles, those doubles all over the place where Matt Olson is a little bit more home runner bust, right? Not entirely, but that's a big part of his game. So that that batting average, you know, batting average isn't a category, but it sort of is right. That's why a player like Luis Arias is so valuable in those leagues, because right. Those singles and doubles don't matter for regular fantasy because singles and doubles probably aren't a category, but they are points, right? Yeah. And looking at
1: Matt Olson, right? He had 35 doubles in 2021 and 44 last year. So he's going to give me 35 home runs and then a ton of doubles. And they're worth two points each.
2: Yeah. And the doubles matter. So, you know, there's no more useful tool heading into a points league than an auction calculator Fangraphs has a good one you know we're going to have a good one when it comes up but it it's really the best way because if all you do is look at the categories you're just your brain is going to over is going to overestimate the impact of certain things like the moment you said minus 0.5 for k's there's players in everyone's mind that started flashing like avoid this guy avoid this guy right but that might not be true because they do so much other stuff right, right. like players who strike out a lot but also walk a lot have now offset that problem because a walk is worth more than a strikeout. Right. 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 So if they're walking quite a bit, then they've already canceled out that strikeout problem. Now granted a walk, isn't as good of a hit as a hit because a walk is unlikely to create an RBI. It's never going to turn it. You know, it can't squeeze by and turn into a double. Like it's always just that one point, but It still matters because that minus 0.5 is now offset. As long as that strikeout to walk rate is decent, like a 10% walk rate and 20% strikeout rate means that's all canceled out in the wash. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, just a lot of things to think about those auction calculators can really help you understand what types of players are valued more or less. Mm -hmm. You'll generally find in a league like that, where it's only two points for a stolen base. So stolen base is worth about the same as hitting a double. But how many 30 double players are there and how many 30 stolen base players are there, right? Right. And then you also have to take into account that you lose a point every time they get caught. Starling Marte was caught a ton of times last year. Right. Right. So so that takes stuff out too. So you tend to find that these stolen base guys don't matter. Bobby Witt, I'm guessing, is probably way down compared to his normal ranking in that league because in Roto, stolen bases have a disproportionate amount of value. Mm -hmm. And in points, they are just not that valuable at all. Right because it's only two points,
1: yeah, but you know he in terms of him, thirty stolen bases last season got caught seven times, hit twenty home runs, and thirty one doubles so you know the, the double i'm looking at doubles too, you know, and you mentioned doubles obviously being important but uh yeah this is this is really fun to 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 look at the the uh point structure in the league and trying to figure out a strategy, you know. Yeah. So
2: other than get the most points. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. That's the strategy. Just win every week. Right. So, all right. This might be actually a, a good time to take our first break. And then uh, we want to talk about some uh, player injuries, some um, players that are moving up and down in ADP, maybe even some WBC uh, observations. We'll be back right after this.
0: When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's NOom.com to sign up for your trial today. Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but the problem is managing your weight needs a long-term solution, and that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. So, uh, Scott, have you you been watching any of the WBC? When I can. You know, it's on at a little bit of weird
2: hours, but I love the energy. I love how exciting... it's not that you know spring training everyone's trying to get like get loose or whatever in the wbc these guys are trying to win games yeah i love it i love the energy coming out of teams like you know taiwan and i mean just you know italy Italy has an espresso uh, did it's, you it's dug out.
1: i'm gonna tell you i haven't watched much myself either but this morning i watched a few minutes of the uh, italy netherlands game try to catch the video of uh pitcher joe la Got out of a bases loaded jam in the sixth against the Netherlands. His reaction, like in in a in a regular MLB baseball game, <laughs> the next inning, the next batter up would have gotten beamed in the head the way that this guy acted. But just, like you said, just the energy that these players have uh, is really really refreshing to see. And but but on the other hand, uh, I don't want any of my fantasy players to be part of the wbc i don't even know why why is juan soto uh he's been dealing with this calf injury why is he playing why are the padres letting him play
2: i mean i'm glad he is because <laughs> i want i want to see him play. why because
1: yeah like uh, i understand why you'd want him because because now you feel more comfortable in drafting him but you just hope that he doesn't because I aggravate like watching
2: it. him play I know, right?
1: but you don't want him to. You don't want him to aggravate it, especially if you uh, roster him in a dynasty league or if you did an early season draft. It's like you know, please, you know, treat him with kid gloves.
2: Yeah, and yeah. I mean, speaking of Juan Soto, if you're in points leagues, he tends to be the best player uh, because he has those crazy walk rates, tons of balls in play, never strikes out, those kinds of things. But you know, with Juan Soto, again, I I, I think one of the if they're letting him play in the WBC. Uh, you know, the Padres aren't that stupid. If they are letting him you, play, it's because they probably don't think that he will be in a position to hurt himself more because they won't let him.
1: Right. Right. And and right. so you give the Padres and, a lot of credit. And yeah, they're a great organization, I'm sure. I love the way that they've been aggressive in getting players. But, you know, like Chris Sale, right? The Red Sox signed him a few years back to a long-term deal. And I'm like, you know he had been injury prone up until that point, and I'm like, well, look, if, if the Red Sox assigned him to a long term deal, he should be, you know, healthy and whatnot. And what has happened since he signed that long term deal? He's just been on the, he's got a Tommy John surgery. He's been on the IL. So don't give these these organizations too much credit there, Scott. For being well, smart. you
2: know, not not too much, but in the in the oh. short term, they're not too bad at evaluating risk, and. Also, you have to remember there is a human component here. If they want to keep Juan Soto long term, they might need to let him do this mm-hmm. because he almost certainly is dying to play for the Dominican Republic.
1: And if you don't on a let, world stage, yes, he's that yeah, kind of guy yeah, that thrives on that. If you don't that,
2: let him, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to be like the Brewers and you know, just upset every good player that falls into your lap.
1: Uh Corbin right? Burns, uh, you're not that yeah. good.
2: You're not that good. <laughs> I mean, that's to be fair, that's the entire point of arbitration is right. for teams to tell players they aren't that good, so they don't have to pay them. But again, right. that could also be its own podcast. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, I think with the, with the WBC, it, it is good to see players in game situations. I mean, it's just spring training with more energy for a lot of these guys. If they are hurting, they won't play. Uh, but
1: what I don't like, dude, is that they're not using the new rules. You know, so this is an important spring training. Now, everyone's coming in this season saying, wow, you know, it's the first spring training, no COVID, uh, no threat of a work stoppage and this and that. But there is an adjustment going on right now to the pitch clock, the uh, getting in the box and uh, engaging with the pitcher. Uh, But that's not, you know, it's almost like some of the players are probably breathing a sigh of relief because they don't have to deal with these new rules. I, I don't like that.
2: Yeah, that that's an issue to an extent, but for a guy like Vinny Pasquantino, who played in the minor leagues last year, Pasquatch, yeah, yeah. So um, the minor leagues had these rules last year. Mm-hmm. So anyone that played in the minors last year is ready for it, and it's not as though you can't simulate a play clock,
1: right? Oh, yeah, like, sure you can. Yeah, of course.
2: It, it is the kind of thing, and and I do think you know there's been a lot of discord. We're not discourse about uh, the new rules. We've talked about them a little bit in a past show. I, I think the only thing to do wrong is to overvalue the impact of these rules because the league will adjust to them. Like they adjust to everything else.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the first month, month and a half of regular season baseball is going to be interesting and a lot of fun, but uh, oh, okay. So uh, we talked uh, about the WBC. Uh, I had read last night and you got to help me out here. If this is actually true, uh, because I've been uh, babysitting the pug, but Corbin Carroll signed the, an extension, eight year extension with the D-backs. Uh, he sure I did, one hundred eleven million Braves of them. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's a club option, which brings the total up to one hundred thirty four million. Uh, Corbin Carroll, you know, a speedster. <laughs> uh, actually, and his ADP has gone up uh, about seven percent over the past week. Uh, one of the movers and shakers. Uh, any any uh, shares of him yet? There, Scott.
2: Not, not quite yet, but not because I don't want him, but because Mm -hmm. I just haven't been able to draft them. I think in OBP leagues, he should move up your board. He's got excellent play discipline. We didn't see a ton in his Mm -hmm. debut last season uh, that would make you think, oh my gosh, just the best prospect in baseball. But let me be clear. He is, as long as he has his eligibility, he is the best prospect in baseball right now. And you should be very excited about him. I think he's going to, the steals I think should be an impact right away. I think. The OBP will be an impact right away. It's going to be a question of how much the power play is early because there's a little more to power than just being strong, right? You got to time. You got to find these, you gotta find the ball in the zone. More pitchers have more ways to attack you. You know, in, in the minors, you run into a lot of guys who have just two pitches and maybe one of them is major league quality. The majors everybody's got one or two major league quality pitches, if not three or four. So it can be a little bit more difficult. But again, that's a thing to watch for. You know, and I know we're going to talk more about spring training, but one of the things to watch for in spring training is, is not so much just power because, you know, the fields are all different. Some of Mm -hmm. them are more hitter friendly. Some of them are more pitcher friendly, but what you do get to see is play discipline. Mm-hmm. And yes, they are going to face a lot of hitter or pitchers that maybe aren't super majorly quality, but I am looking for changes or, you know, sort of reaffirming how guys are in the box. Corbin Carroll has looked pretty good this spring. So, you know, he's a player that, you know, I'm still excited about because I know he's got the play discipline and I know he's got the talent. So there's a bit of risk in taking him, especially because you kind of need to take him as your outfielder one or two. But mm-hmm. I still think Corbin Carroll is someone that you can definitely target, especially in OBP especially if you're in a league where you start to see that he's slipping because folks really want the safer play at the top. Uh, he ha- That has happened in a few leagues. I wasn't there in time to scoop him up in a snake draft. But if that happens, be ready, because I do think Corbin Carroll is a major contributor, especially if you care about stolen bases.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of early season drafters, uh, breathing a sigh of relief, including myself, uh, with uh, Jordan Alvarez, outfielder for the Astros, finally getting to swing a bat. Um, I picked him with the, I think it was the 14th overall, in my TG FBI league, which started in the middle of February. Um, and, you know, there were whispers about the the wrist issue and him not swinging a bat, but then you know week by week well, did he swing yet? No. Did he swing yet? No. And then all of a sudden, I actually saw this morning on Sunday that he swung a bat uh, and no issues. So, um, you know, h- had you been avoiding him or whatnot, or you know, what's your take on uh, Alvarez?
2: I've not been avoiding him in the slightest. Uh, as of right now, we still think he'll be ready for opening day. If he's not ready quite for opening day, I don't expect him to miss more than like a week. Uh, mm-hmm. He He's a hitter. He he doesn't need that same kind of ramp up time that a pitcher does. If he's taking swings, he's taking batting practice, he's ready to play. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, there's always a little bit of adjustment time. But uh, it as of now, it still sounds like he's going to be there. And let's be clear, we never thought he was going to play 152 games. 100 or even I was hoping 162 (laughs) maybe no not 162 he played Mm -hmm. 135 games last year with 37 home runs 95 runs scored 97 RBI and a 306 Mm -hmm. batting average 406 OBP Jordan Alvarez will get you the numbers as long as he only misses about 20 games Mm -hmm. right 20 to 30 games is about how much we might expect him to miss that's you know one long IL stint or a couple you know it's just days off here and there he's still I mean, I don't think anyone should be changing their projections on Jordan Alvarez right now. And if you've got good projections and you know that he's a, you know, borderline top five outfielder, I mean, he's at the end of the first, you know, at the end of the first round there, I think that's excellent value. Yeah, sure. He doesn't steal bases, but he does everything else.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, any other injuries uh, causing you concern? I, I know on a personal note, uh, Harrison Bader uh, for a Yankee outfielder that probably not being drafted except for five outfielder leagues. Maybe you you might make him your, your third outfielder because of the stolen base potential, but expected to miss up to six weeks due to an oblique strain. Uh, I would love to see Jason Dominguez in his, uh, I think he has four preseason home runs already, given a, a legit shot to make the Yankee roster, but has only five games in Double A. It wasn't very impressive in the Arizona Fall League. But uh, Willie Calhoun has had uh, a pretty good uh, spring and it uh, looks like Esteban Floreal might benefit a little bit from this, but you know, hasn't done much of anything in small sample sizes in the big, but any other uh, injuries that are giving you pause?
2: Well, the, with the Bader one, I think the real winner here is is Oswaldo Cabrera. I think yeah. he's going to be the one that's going to slot in there. He's got power and speed. The batting average won't be great, but I think, you know, if you look at roster resource right now, they have him hidden fifth. Right. Right. So, Look, I don't know what his full season value will be because as soon as Bader is ready, there's a big log jam there uh for the Yankees and he becomes a part-time player. But man, for the month of April, Oswaldo Cabrera could be a heck of a player. And in 12 yeah. team leagues, especially 12 team with three outfielders, I, I love picking him up in your draft because, you know, as your third outfielder, or maybe that that one, you know, that second utility guy or something like that, because you get a whole month of production out of him in an ideal spot in the lineup with very little real competition. I am not worried about Oswaldo Cabrera splitting time. He is a switch hitter. So it's not like they need to put in Floreal who, you know, I, I, I Floreal is at one time a top 100 prospect because he's got power, speed and all those things, but he has contact right. problems. So there's yes. only so much, I think he can really put pressure on the rest of the lineup. So Oswaldo, Oswaldo Cabrera is really the big winner there. I think a guy who I have, we've talked about a little bit, who had had a ton of helium. I think the biggest one to watch for right now is Jordan Walker, Jordan Walker, dealing with a strained shoulder. Uh, that we just found out there's no, it's not clear whether or not he's day to day. So technically it's not clear whether he'll miss time at the beginning of the season, but yet another reason for the Cardinals to not put him on the major league roster on day one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it's hard to project more. I mean, it's a re, what do you know? It's a real crowded outfield for the Cardinals. No matter how many guys the Cardinals get rid of, they've got a crowded outfield, right? Yeah. Tyler O'Neill isn't hurt yet. So there's still a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bodies in that outfield. It's really hard to know who's going to play Jordan Walker. I think uh, is a guy you should be excited about. He's had an amazing spring. He has tons of power. He's looked great. He has a limited minor league track record so far in terms of the high minors, but he's looked really good. It's just hard to project more than half a season. And the higher up he goes in drafts, the harder it is for me to say, yeah, go for it, especially in like a Yahoo-style league where there's no corner infield. You only get the three outfield spots. It's really hard to buy in totally because, number one, he's only going to be third-base eligible to start the season, Uh, which, I mean, third-base is a position of need, but also you only need one or two on your roster, especially Mm -hmm. in those kind of formats. Number two, again, he may only be a part-time player. Because there are other major league caliber players to play in that outfield,
1: right right it, I, how I about Alec this might give uh, Alec Burlson a, a, a shot to to make the team or uh get get a call up he definitely should be a guy that you keep on your uh watch list. I mean the guy's batting three hundred three fifty four ninety two and just two minor league seasons, but somebody to really look at yeah, and I've really liked Lars Newtbar he's someone who yeah he's if, a guy that a lot Jordan, of people like
2: yes. Yeah, and if Jordan Walker makes the roster, who loses time, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a mixture of guys. I'm not sure any of them will play seven days a week, right? I think they all might be kind of rotating in and out. So really hard to see what's going on there, but that is a big injury to watch for. Of course, we don't talk about pitchers much. Carlos Rodon. Uh, look, there's a lot of ways people for go to go on this. We know a couple things from Rodon. I'm the type who does tend to try to believe the player and the team a little bit first. There's a lot of doom and gloom out there where they say expect, you know, I'm just prepared for him not to play for the whole season. Look, if you want to be miserable, that's fine. Go ahead mm-hmm. and do that, right? But for those of you who have drafted Rodon who are thinking about drafting Rodon soon, I still have him inside my top 20 at starting pitcher mm-hmm. because he may miss a month of the season. Right. That'll probably put him around 100, 130 to 150 innings, depending on exactly how much of April he misses. But again, he did that in 2021. And guess what? He finished as like the 12th starting pitcher because he's yep. been so good when he plays. So, uh, yes, again, there is some risk there. You make there. me feel
1: good when you say that because I, I drafted him in the fifth round of my Raz Slam, which is a best yeah. ball, so, which is cool. So, I mean, yeah. So, you know, go ahead. I'm with sorry. Don,
2: you, yeah. you also have to remember like his his own words have said, in, i've i went through this last year and played through it i mm-hmm. would be playing through it now if it were mid season or late right. season right and again you know i i do think there's some merit to the concept of with carlos Jordan, they want him ready for the full season so why pitch through it now right, right again right. you should move him down your boards he was probably a top 5 to 7 pitcher for you before now he's more like top 17 to 20 17 to 25 depending on how much risk tolerance you're willing to take on what your roster looks like by that point but th- don't take him off your board. Look, some right. of you are going to do that. That's fine. You have major risk tolerance issues. That's okay. Sure, you can sure. build teams well that way, but you don't have to do that. Or if mm-hmm. you've already drafted, your season's not over folks like right. him missing the month of April stinks. Mm-hmm. But if all he does is miss the month of April, you still, I mean, if I told, if you drafted Carlos or and I told you, don't worry. He's like, he's Gary, you know, I still think he, fin- you know, he finishes as pitcher number 15. It does that mean you lost, right? Like you're, you're, starting pitcher one or two finishes as a top 15 starting pitcher or a top 20 starting pitcher like that's what you wanted That's right, what right. you get it just will look a little different than you may have expected
1: i like so. i like mr optimist here over here because on the one hand you're right you know he he pitched through it last season uh, you know had a forearm strain on the other hand you can look at it if you're a, a negative nelly that you know this is a recurring injury that's going to eventually need tj surgery because it's a forearm but i love the uh, the optimism on your part mr chu
2: well, it's spring. You got to have it. Right. Especially for the folks <laughs> already drafted. Right. Like, don't don't be sad yet. Now, again, move him down <laughs> your board. See how your league adapts. Really interested to see what happens in auction for Carlos Rodan. Right. But it Could be a big
1: discount. Yeah, it's definitely
2: something to keep an eye on. Uh, and of course, the, the big name that's going to come out of that, that everyone should be paying attention to, that is Clark Schmidt.
1: Right. Uh, he's took the words right out of my mouth. Yes.
2: Yeah. He, he's at the back of that. Now, again, Nestor Cortez has been dealing with some injury as well. I'm interested to see if he is ready for the start of the season. It sounds like he will be.
1: Thankfully but, it's a hamstring and not his arm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it's slowing down his ramp up a little bit. Um, we'll see what, if that does turn into anything, but the only one I think right now that's draftable out of all this is Clark Schmidt. I think he's worth a look in the back of drafts, especially in those shallower leagues, because he should get some opportunities early. Um, it doesn't really change anything for me on Domingo Herman though, just because uh, he was already going to be in the rotation and he's fine.
1: Right, right. Absolutely. A um, couple other pitchers, uh, Ranger Suarez for the Phillies, forearm tightness. Uh, to me, that just elevates a, a guy like a Bailey Falter. He's had a bad spring, but uh, decent uh, minor league numbers. And now on top of that, the Phillies with Andrew Painter, who had a bunch of helium being shut down as well with a ulnar collateral ligament sprain. So, uh, you know, Actually, uh, I'm, I'm going to make a confession. I, I got auto drafted in my TGFBI because sometimes when you deal with these, it's all my fault, but sometimes when you deal with these slow pitch clocks and it's the end of the day, you know, you keep on waiting for the person uh, ahead of you to make the pick. And then all of a sudden, uh, he, he makes the pick late in the day. And then, you know, you go to bed and then the timer ran out. So I got p- auto picked on Andrew Painter. What am I going to do?
2: Uh, probably not much of anything. at – That that's a tough one. Again, with these sprains, you can't just have surgery. Right. Surgery doesn't fix sprains. Mm. Right. You you can't can't do it. Rest. Mm. Yeah. So it has to be rest. So anyone who's talking about he should just have surgery is wrong fundamentally Mm -hmm. because you can't surgically repair a sprain. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) um, it it just doesn't work that way. You can't just get it out of the way because it has to actually tear. Um, mm-hmm. You could replace the ligament, I guess, but for what sprains can heal um, again, track record is not great, but uh, it is something that could happen. Uh, You know, I really, what I'd really love to see out of this is Matt Strom getting a look in mm-hmm. the rotation again. Uh, he's in their bullpen right now, and he's been electric as part of a bullpen. His ERA doesn't always look good, but man, the guy can strike out a lot of guys. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, I would be interested to see it if it ever did happen again. It just won't. But right. yeah, Bailey Falter is probably the one that slides in. You know, he, he's already in. He's he's fine. Uh, he's young. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, there's there's still going to be more injuries happening. We're going to hear a lot about him for the next two weeks. We're going to hear about him in the first part of April, especially when we start seeing guys pitching in cold weather. Try not to panic. Um, You know, injury risk tolerance is a big thing to think about, but just, you know, don't don't panic just because a guy won't be ready for opening day, especially on the hitter side. Because mm-hmm. a, a week worth of at-bats just doesn't matter that much. In terms of guys that we were expecting to have 500 to 600 plate appearances, a week's worth of at-bats just don't matter. Right. Right. It matters maybe in a head-to-head league for a week, but in Roto it just doesn't. Uh, you'd mm-hmm. rather have them be healthy if if that's all you have to trade is is a week, you know, guys are going to miss a week here and there. Very few players play 160 games. So mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, you add, you, you take off five, go, go to anyone's projection, take off five or six games and see if it changes where they rank. It just really doesn't.
1: Right. Right. Okay. So uh, another good spot for us to take a quick break. Uh, we talk about third base as being uh, a position where just not a lot of depth, but there's a couple of, Uh, third baseman that have been just killing it in spring training want to talk to scott about that uh talk about a little bit more of uh, some risers and fallers and then scott's going to try to convince me to draft spencer Talklesson right uh when we come back so we'll be right back right after this
0: fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss that's why noom has created weight management programs that are made to last not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: And we're back. Hacks and Jacks Fantasy Baseball podcast. Uh, I had teased a a couple of third basemen that are having pretty big springs and just wondering if they have a shot to actually make their respective teams. Um, Christian and Carcion Strand, uh, first base, third base, eligible in some leagues. Uh, Is having a huge spring there, Scott. Last I looked, four home runs, 13 RBI, 625 batting average. had. 32 home runs and 114 RBI uh, for three teams in the minor leagues uh, last season. Uh, highest, uh, his highest team played for is uh, double a double-A team. Uh, but uh, what are you thinking about Incarcion Strand as a dart throw late in drafts, especially you know if uh, you know the Reds start to rest Votto even more? The uh, fact that Incarcion Strand could play some first-place as well
2: yeah so he's he's kind of interesting very very late like i'm not sure he actually makes the team out of spring he's definitely a name to watch for Mm -hmm. uh as you know i expect him to actually start the season in triple a but he looked amazing in double a uh and the guy in front of him is actually a fairly unproven but not necessarily you know nobody in spencer steer right we've spoken about him Mm -hmm. yeah we've spoken about spencer steer uh so part of the thing was that he had no competition and now he kind of does. Yes. Uh, he, he is a, he's a power bat. He's not, he's really more for AL only in deep leagues because I think he's going to be an accumulator, but mm-hmm. if he is not right, if he's unable to really get the ball rolling for Cincinnati, then I, I think, you know, because he, he's really not a good defender and, and by not a good defender, I mean, he's a, a really bad defender and he hasn't been that much better in the spring. So uh, it, Spencer Steer is the only thing in front of which means there is a path forward I think definitely in dynasty leagues leagues with very very deep benches where you might hold some guys who are not in the in the major leagues yet there's definitely Mm -hmm. dart throw potential there I just I don't want someone to think in a 12 team league that he should be on your board right he's not but he's someone that might be on your watch list because again if he does get up to Cincinnati he could hit a bunch of home runs because it's not a very big ballpark we talk about that all the time so uh, and it's hard to pitch in Cincinnati in the winter, or well, not the winter, but like around here, April is winter. Like it's still <laughs> winter up here. It's not spring. Mm. Uh, that's that's why spring training is not hosted in the great state of Michigan or Ohio, right? We don't <laughs> we don't we don't host it here because it's ugly here.
1: So yeah. that's like my, opportunity- my my daughter uh, took a trip this weekend to Chicago. That's why I'm, I'm babysitting the bug and. As she was prepping for this, she's like, "Yeah, maybe I could see the Cubs in spring training." I'm like, "Honey, <laughs> you're going to Chicago, and the Cubs uh, do not uh, have their spring training facility uh, in the Windy City in March."
2: And even if they did, you didn't. You don't want to go. <laughs> it's cold.
1: I, I went to a Cubs game in in May, and we had to wear uh, we had to buy winter jackets. It was so I got, cold. <laughs> I got
2: like three inches. I got like two inches of snow last night. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's not not the time, but th- mm. he is interesting, if only because there's not much in front of him. If Spencer, right. especially if Spencer Steer starts slow at all,
1: right? right? We're talking Which, about Encarnacion Strand.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Incarcion Strand has a chance if Steer starts out slow at all. Uh, there might actually be someone who can push him now.
1: Mm-hmm. What about uh, Mets uh, third base prospect Brett Beatty? Uh, had a cup of coffee uh, with the team last season. Having a nice spring, a 409 batting average with a 1.071 OPS, obviously just, you know, 25 plate appearances. But in three minor league seasons, has a career 289, ninety, four ninety three triple slash. Uh, he had 19 home runs, 60 RBI in 95 games, mostly in AA uh, last season, but uh, had a few at-bats in AAA. Um only 11 games in the bigs, but had a ninety percent K rate. So he wasn't totally overwhelmed, but again, only 11 games. What do you think about uh, Brett Beatty's chance uh, uh, to securing a spot on the big league roster?
2: Man, that that's another really difficult roster to break into because they've got Eduardo Escobar still on that team. Just really, I think plugging up third base, you obviously are not going to put him at first base with Pete Alonso there. Uh, There might be some room at DH, but, uh, Darren Ruff still there to be DH Tommy Pham, I expect to take some DH, uh, played appearances here and there. And Daniel Vogelbach, of course, who, you know, walks and hits righties and doesn't do anything else. He's all there. Even if he got up, I'd, I'd wonder he does have five hard hit. Well, actually more than hard. Hit. He has five batted balls over a hundred miles an hour so far this spring pretty good number for Beatty. Uh, A lot of them have been fairly low hit balls, like less than 10 degree launch angle, but he did have one that was a little bigger, did not get any results for it. But, uh, you know, I I like Beatty. I think there's still a lot to be excited about from his, from a prospector's perspective. I'm sorry, he had four. He had four hard hit balls over a hundred miles an hour, but he's, it's just hard to find the opportunity. And as much, you know, you love to bet on talent, but you can't bet on talent when there's absolutely no opportunity. Mm -hmm. And right now that's what it looks like because it doesn't matter what Eduardo Escobar does in spring. He's probably the starting third baseman either way.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Let's take a look at some uh, players that are rising and falling in ADP. Uh, We already spoke about Jordan Walker and uh, interesting to see what the next week looks like uh, in terms of because of his shoulder injury. But prior to that, Had uh, 11.4 rise in his average pick in ESPN leagues. So uh, we already spoke about him. But you know who else is going up? uh, And we don't really talk pitchers a lot, but uh, Chris Sale, 10.7 rise in his average uh, pick in ESPN leagues and uh, look the guy uh, spoke about him a couple of minutes ago where you know injury history and all that but throws uh two innings of shutout ball and all is forgotten uh, I mean good news is is that his most recent injuries after that TJ surgery weren't really shoulder uh, related he had a workout injury with his ribs and finger injury due to a comeback into the mound and it was a dope and got into a bicycle accident, hurt his wrist. But um, do you have any shares of Chris sale? And, you know, I guess he's probably going in in the middle innings at this stage. No.
2: Yeah. So his ADP has definitely moved up a bit. I'm, I'm excited because we haven't seen him uh, in quite a while, but you also have to remember, we actually haven't seen him be super good in quite a while. Right. So Mm -hmm. he did pitch a, Mostly a full season back in 2019, but the results weren't really there. Now the FIP and the underlying metrics were there, but he had a 440 ERA in that 2019 season. Of course, the home run fly ball spike sort of happened to him, which, you know, kind of happened everywhere in 2019. But, uh, you know, I like Chris Sale just making sure that you already have innings, uh, but definitely is a part of the middle of your rotation. Of course, he's going up because he's pitching, right? And we we want yeah. him to pitch. Uh, but again, it is quite a while since we've seen him pitch any major innings. It's, you know, 2019 mm-hmm. the last time. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but definitely worth a look. Just keep in mind that it's a, it's a high upside, low floor kind of play. Just yep. know what you're getting into. I like Chris sale in the sense that he's definitely on my board. It's mm-hmm. just, I, I often take my pitching risk at like closer to the top. So I don't usually have the room for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh. Arizona Diamondbacks have a lot of speed in their outfield. We spoke about Corbin Carroll already getting the uh, extension on his contract and uh, being a speedster. Uh, Alec Thomas is another speedster. But uh, Jake McCarthy, his average pick has gone up 8.6% over the past week. And if you look at what this guy did in his final 63 games of last season, uh, he had uh, five home runs, 34 RBI, Uh, But the stolen bases uh, were key. He had 21 stolen bases, only got caught three times in the final 63 games. Actually, probably, uh, you know, helped out uh, a lot of teams to win their leagues in that last month. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, he he drove a lot of people, uh, you know, where he needed to be. He's not hitting well. It's funny because he's moving up, but it's not because of how well he's doing in spring. Right. Right. He's got a 421 OPS so far this spring. I'm not really looking for that much for him in the spring. Uh, He wasn't someone that I was really just thinking like, oh, I need to see, you know, I have an article out there about what I was looking for in spring and Jake McCarthy just wasn't really something I cared about that much. He's not striking out a ton. He's only got four strikeouts. So uh, sorry, he has four strikeouts. Yeah, no, just four. Four strikeouts so far in 26 at bats. So not really something that I'm worried about. But, you know, it, it, I think he's just moving up because people realize how good he was, right? right? Now, now the numbers we're referencing in terms of moving up are from ESPN. So right. those are 12-team leagues, uh, not the same as NFBC, ADP. And Jake McCarthy is definitely someone who should will actually move down my board when I'm looking at head-to-head leagues, simply mm-hmm. because I just don't value stolen bases as much in a head-to-head league. So Jake McCarthy just doesn't have as good of a place on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spoke a little bit about Tyler O'Neill, just a couple of seconds ago, you were talking about his injury history and his ADP uh, in uh, ESPN leagues up 7.6% over the past week. Uh, again, it's not because of his spring training. He's batting 143 uh, this spring in uh, 16 plate appearances and really coming off a, a poor season. Where the strikeout rate was improved, but still just about 27 percent. Batted 228, 14 homers, 14 stolen bases, um, and uh, the uh, projection models they expect him to hit somewhere in the 240s, 250 range, with a you know 20 plus, 20 plus uh, p- potential in terms of home runs and stolen bases. Uh, what do you think is driving his uh, move up the boards in ESPN leagues?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure Uh, (laughs) we haven't really learned anything new about what Tyler O'Neill is or what you know what he's bringing to his team right now as the biggest thing right now is that he's healthy, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. Because that's really the main thing you're looking for uh, in Tyler O'Neal. Because as a healthy player, there's no reason he can't threaten 30 home runs and 20 stolen bases. Now, that that is something very much in his wheelhouse. I think the 286 batting average we saw in 2021 is nuts. I don't mm. think that's really on the table. But 250 to 260, I think, is very realistic. If he's walking close to 10% of the time like he did last season, I think he'll have a decent OBP as well. But it's really the power and speed you're after. So I, as he's healthy, he will move up boards. Right. But that's about it. It shouldn't be that much because there's still all the risk there. But again, being healthy at the start of the season does mean a lot for players that are injury prone. And when you're looking at Tyler O'Neill this spring, all
1: you're thinking is, is he hurt? Right. Does he look hurt? <laughs> are, you ta- yeah. are you taking any chances on Jerry Kellenick, uh, who's killing it this spring? Four home runs, uh, seven RBI, and one stolen base, 429 batting average in 23 plate appearances. Uh, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of fantasy baseball managers who've been, uh, you know, been there, done that in terms of J- Jerry Kalanick, but should we trust him this time? <laughs> you
2: no, know, I, I, I thought it was a mistake. I mean, so first of all, he is having an amazing spring. It's weird. He doesn't actually, do, he doesn't actually have any batted balls over a hundred miles an hour, mm-hmm. uh, despite all this success, which is kind of weird. Don't read into it too much, but it is, it's at least weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like he should certainly have more than that. It, it is a, the news I want to hear is that they're going to start him, right? Because right now, he's not projected to be a starter, I don't believe, for the Mariners. So, with that, you know, and it's not as though, I mean, there are there's a lot of right handers in this lineup, which means there's room for a lefty, but where, right? Maybe DH with AJ Pollock, uh, but Tasker Hernandez is going to play every day. Julio Rodriguez is going to play every day. So, Kalinick, you know, might be the large side of a platoon right? So uh, he might just be their everyday left fielder and he'll switch out with, you know, any number of random guys they pull up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so he's, he might start on opening day if they play a righty, right. But I'd love to see full-time at bats, but with the ADP being so low right now, uh, I think you have to take some kind of chance because even if the batting average is never what we hoped, right. Even if that, you know, that doesn't work out, I'm still very much excited about the fact that he could still be a, you know, 20 to 25 in a full season. I think he could be a 25 home run, 15 stolen base kind of player. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't, you know, sort of like a poor man's version of Tyler O'Neill, right? Who doesn't right. have a durability problem as much as he has a contact problem. So yeah. as I'm looking at Jared Kelenic, you know, this spring, what I'm also really looking at is, is he striking out a ton? That's really been the thing that's crushed him in the major leagues as of right now, he has only six strikeouts in his 23 at bats, uh, six strikeouts, two walks. That's pretty good. Right. Mm So it's less than I'm looking at the home runs because he's about to go to a very, very difficult place to hit. Right. Spring, the spring training stadium is much better for Seattle than their real home ballpark. Mm -hmm. So with him, I really want to see, does he strike out, you know, make, you know, making contact. That's good. I don't really care that, I don't really care if it's doubles or home runs or whatever. I want to see his main contact. He is. He's got 10 hits already in nine games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, With Kellenic, But, you know, again, it's the six strikeouts. I don't want to see any big spikes in that. But as of right now, looking pretty good on the strikeout front. That's what I care about the most.
1: Right. Okay. Um, Let's uh, take a look at a couple of. ADP fallers, and then I want to get your take on a couple of Tiger players. I'm sure you're chomping at the bit with that. But uh, <laughs> Tyler Glass now, uh, oblique strain, going to miss up to two months. Uh, Joe Musgrove dropped a, a weight on his big toe, but might be ready for the start of the season. And Jurickson Profar, who's a free agent, but uh, rumors that the Rockies are interested in him. They're the top three in terms of fallers in, in ADP over the past week. Uh, in ESPN, but say a Suzuki down a 13.1% dealing with an oblique injury, original six, six week window to recover oblique injuries, never easy to recover from.
2: No, they aren't. And you know, he will start the season on the IL probably. Uh, I don't know if that they've made that official yet, but that it's just likely it does open up some room on the Cubs roster to, to see a couple at bats for maybe like Edwin Rios, uh, who is someone who I think is interesting because he's got a bunch of power? He, he might DH for them. I think it's going to make Patrick Wisdom an everyday player. Uh, you know, as far as the Cubs go, you know, Say Suzuki. I- I'm worried a little bit. It, we've seen this really kill guys like uh, George Springer. George mm. Springer's really dealt with some oblique injuries, and and they can really hang around because the only way to really fix it, it's a core injury. The only way to fix it is to rest and not play. Right. So hopefully, Say a Suzuki can get, can get over that. I think you just got to keep watching the news and and don't be that's a surprise if he goes back on the IL after he comes out, especially if, you know, it's it's just not quite ready. They, the Cubs cannot rush him back. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just to while we're talking about the Cubs, I don't think there's a player that's fallen more on my board than Christopher Morrell. Uh, yeah. He cannot stop striking out this this spring. It's 13 strikeouts. The last I looked, mm-hmm. uh, you just cannot. He he had a huge strikeout problem at the end of last year. He started striking out close to forty percent of the time for for quite a while, and it's just no—you cannot be a major league hitter who strikes out that much, right? Much. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a great power speed blend. He's eligible to a lot of positions, and I just don't think the Cubs can play him, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think Patrick Wisdom's going to win that third base gig. And he's not that exciting fantasy either, either. And he does strike out a lot, but he's a decent defender. And at least he hits home runs.
1: Yeah. Big power Mm back.
2: Yeah. So if there's someone that should, you know, maybe come in a 12 team league, Christopher Morrell has actually fallen off my board. I'm Mm -hmm. just not interested because what I wanted to see this spring was him not striking out and he's done the opposite.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it dawned on me while you were talking about Suzuki, that um, people that have seen him had said that he kind of, bulked up a little bit this offseason gained some muscle so the more muscle you have sometimes that could lead to to more injury right and then you know so that that i wouldn't be... know
2: personally but i've heard that
1: i, I don't know if, <laughs> well, i'm gonna find <laughs> out next week when i when i see you because i've heard you're a pretty big guy so <laughs> yeah
2: well Paul, the core is not filled <laughs> with muscles there's not a lot to strain in
1: here uh justin turner uh man it was ugly he got Got hit in the face, 16 stitches that may be coming out. Uh, They may be removing those stitches uh, today, Sunday. And you're going to hear this on Monday or whatnot. But uh, his ADP down 11.1% in ESPN leagues. Obviously, more of a a corner infielder option for you in deeper leagues. Um, Yeah, Oscar Gonzalez down 6.1%. But he, I think that's because, like you mentioned, ESPN leagues are three outfielder leagues, right? So, I mean, he's a decent option, five outfielder leagues. But uh, I still see him penciled in as the Guardians uh, right fielder. But he's having a tough spring. I guess that could be part of it as well.
2: Yeah, Justin Turner, Um, he's not going to miss opening day. It, it was an ugly injury, lots of blood, especially because it got him near the nose. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I know Matt Manning probably did not feel good about what happened there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. You know, really. My only concern with him was the power drop off last season. Only thirteen home runs compared to twenty seven in twenty twenty one. So I guess that stinks. But he's going to bat third for the Red Sox. And while I don't love their lineup overall, the top of it is still just fine. It looks like Tristan Cassis, Rafael Devers, Justin Turner, Masataka Yoshida, and Alex Verdugo all you know in the top half of that lineup. So I do think he could be a good you know a good source of of counting stats. I think he's someone who, if you're really trying to fill a corner infield spot. I think he's a guy to do it right. You can mm-hmm. get him quite late in drafts. You know, the fact that he's falling is, is interesting because again, this is not going to impact his season. Right. Mm-hmm. and, and- Turner is going into his age 38 season. Spring training is not a time for him to tweak. stuff. Like He's not like messing with his swing, right? Like right, the, guy, right. the guy's going to be Justin Turner. So I-, I like Justin Turner as a, you know, last round dart throw, or maybe on your watch list. If your third baseman, for some reason starts missing some time, or you need to fill in at your utility, Justin Turner's right there. Mm-hmm. And he could definitely get you some, like RBI. I said,
1: corner infield spot too. Yeah. Uh, if you wait on that. So, uh, but let's talk about your Tigers, man. Um, Riley, Green having a nice spring two home runs seven RBI so far 333 batting average post hype sleeper who I'm interested in obviously uh and you were uh, tweeting a lot about Spencer Torkelson right this week Yeah I
2: was let's start with Riley Green this guy's barreling the ball everywhere right now he slowed down a little bit in his last few games but I, I you know I've heard some chatter that you know people are like oh well what what is Riley Green really going to do well I think the first thing you have to remember is that you know Riley Green was a big prospect, and if you looked at the rolling charts, and I'm happy to show you again if you ever want to ask uh, mm. at if the chew fits on Twitter, I'll show them to you. This guy really improved as the season went on. He got much better making contact. We saw the power, you know, we saw power stay very stable as he made more contact. So it's not as though he was trading it off. Riley Green is someone who I really think could make a big impact. And both in power and speed, he's got both. And I think the contact is going to be better than projections suspect. So when you're looking at, you know, a lot of folks are going to use an auction calculator. I think they're really important, but it's also important to pick out the guys who you think are going to do better than those auction calculator values say, Mm -hmm. like Riley Green is one of those guys for me who I just think will be better than that. Mm -hmm. Right. And not just because, I mean, having a hot spring is great. Seeing him hit the ball really, really hard. I mean, it's what I think it's, uh, let, let me make the quick count here eight batted balls over a hundred miles an hour. Most of them over like at least half of them over 105 miles an hour, just ripping the ball. Only one of those is a ground ball, by the way, hmm. just one, one of those is a hard hit ball. That's on the ground. Everything else is a line drive or a fly ball. Really love that. Speaking of that's when I'll talk about Spencer Torkelson, right? So uh, spring training is a very small sample and that that's something that you just sort of have to deal with because it, it makes it so you'd think if you just saw that, if you hadn't watched Spencer Torkelson at all, and you just look at his spring training numbers, you'd think, wow, this guy's been bad, right? He's doing really poorly. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Spencer Torkelson has actually uh, nine batted balls over a hundred miles an hour, right? In fact, all almost all of them are over 105 miles an hour, right? Seven of them over 105 miles an hour. And of those seven batted Seven batted balls over 105 miles an hour. One of them was a ground ball, right? Just Hmm. one. And only two of them were hits, right? He has five barrels that were 105 miles an hour or harder. Five. Hmm. Five. Hmm. And you know how many hits he has for him? Zero. (laughs) Zero. He has five. Line out, fly out, line out, fly out, fly out. On balls hit. 105 to he actually had 110 mile an hour line drive as a line out, 109.7 mile per hour fly ball out hmm. right now. That'll happen a little bit in Comerica, but like this dude is wrecking the ball, right? He's not striking out a ton. His strikeout numbers look a little worse than they should because Spencer Torkelson had one four strikeout game a little while back. Otherwise, strikeout rate's been great. Um, Actually, I might be confusing him with Akil Badu. I've been watching a lot of Tiger spring training. <laughs> but Spencer Torkelson is Not spraying the ball.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. Spencer Torkelson is spraying the ball all over the place. He's hitting the ball really, really hard. I guess I wish he was pulling it a little bit more uh, because mm. that's going to get the ball over the fence. But, I mean, you can't ask for more. Again, as a, 12, in a 12-teamer, a twelve I can't tell you to start him as a top 12 uh, first-base choice. But mm. definitely... It, I love him as a last round pick or close to last round. I love him as like that hitter on your bench because this was the best college hitter we've seen in a long time. And yes, it's true guys flame out, but this is like his third professional like year in pro ball. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you don't say after 2 years a guys flamed out right? Especially when only one of them was in the major leagues at all. He's taking some time to adjust. I think he's going to do it. We definitely saw him get much better at making contact, making decisions as the season went on last season. I think he's carried that into the spring, which is exactly what I want to see. I'm seeing him the ball really hard this spring. Exactly what I wanted to see. Spencer Torkelson should be all over your radar late in drafts. And if he's not, it's because, you know, you're looking too much just at the results in spring training. It's the last thing you should look at, you know, whether, you care a lot more about process in spring training than you do anything else. And it's really hard to get a look at what process is for these players because we don't talk to them every day. We don't get to hear them think in the box, but you do get to see, um, you, you know, you can look up the batted ball data, right? And he's got, he's got nine, right? nine batted balls over a hundred miles an hour, seven of them over 105 miles an hour. He does that in the regular season. I'm telling you he's in those seven batted balls. He's slugging four twenty nine right? Seven bad balls over 105 miles an hour. He's slugging 429. The league average, right? They're, they're pretty much all barrels, right? The, the league slugging average on a barrel is, uh, 1.5, right? It, it's 1500, right? So that luck is going to turn around. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it's the classic case of every time he hits a ball hard, it's like right at a guy line drive, but it's right at the center fielder, right? That will not continue. Yep, He's going to hit the ball a lot better. I, You got to move him up. So he's someone to keep an eye on. If we're going to talk about one more tiger, Parker Meadows just had a massive game, couple of home runs. Uh, Parker, Parker Meadows is someone who I don't think he's going to start the season in there, but his stock has fallen a lot in dynasty leagues. And if you can get him, you know, for free, maybe he's even out there. Take a look at Parker Meadows. He's hitting the ball really well. And it's going to be, I think a pretty active, uh outfield rotation for the tigers early in the season as they try to find all the pieces they want for that outfield they are going to try to win games after all so just mm. something to keep an eye on really yeah. a big fan of of what some of these guys have have done in the spring but most importantly again it's not just the results like just because the results are bad doesn't mean the the play is bad, right? Like Mm -hmm. look at some of the batted ball data. uh, Look at the, like, look at the strikeouts, look at the walks, make sure that part's good. That's the part that means the most in spring training, not the fact that it fell for a single or a double.
1: Gotcha. Okay, good analysis. Uh, Spencer Torkelson expected to hit somewhere around, if you look at the major projection models, uh, 20-homer guy. going to be playing first base every day for the Tigers, so uh, definitely someone to keep on your radar free in drafts. And uh, Riley Green also going way deep in drafts, somebody that I definitely will be looking into just uh, because of his pedigree. I mean, you know, so uh, we'll see having a nice spring as well. So good stuff from Scott. Um, And I think that's going to basically slam the lid on things for this week. Doesn't look like we're going to be able to put out a podcast next week because we're going to be drafting all weekend. Uh, at uh the tout wars event, so good luck to you scott i'm I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person and uh it's gonna be a lot of fun,
2: yeah, you say that cause you haven't done it yet, so you try yeah. to hold on to this excitement and don't don't you know I'll deflate it quickly when you meet me but
1: oh jeez okay. uh, yeah <laughs>
2: it, it'll it, it'll be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to talk about the things that are happening um you know especially as we have even more spring data. Right, yeah. and we'll have. You know, hopefully, we can talk about a couple more guys who are really just wrecking the ball all over the place. Guys like Chris Bryant. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I will say, you know, before we go, there's one thing to really point out about uh, the spring training data, the Statcast data. It's really, really cool. There's just one thing you need to remember to do, and that's uh, sort of ignore Salt River Fields at Talking Stick. So Salt River Fields at Talking Stick, it's where the uh, Rockies play their spring training games. And that gun is crazy hot. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all yeah, like all of the top four hits, you know, all the top four hits in spring training terms of exit velocity all at salt river. Wow! Right. And like the majority of the top uh, 13 to 15 are all at salt river just because the gun's hot. Take a couple miles an hour, take a, yeah, at least a couple miles an hour off uh, the exit velocity on, on hits in that particular stadium.
1: Hmm. Interesting stuff. Good stuff, Scott. All right. So follow this man at If the Chew Fits. You can follow me at Joe Galena. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time.